put the bolts on them. Should've never sent them to pick up the work for them. Spray the park and had my shit inside the car. Marcus Smart Boy was shooting with a 36 on <sighs> All right. Greetings, Chuddlings. Welcome to another episode of Chuddy's Corner. I am your host, Dugouts. With me as always, Chuddy, King Chuddy. How you doing tonight? Doing pretty well. Always feeling good after a win. Good to be uh, back with you on the pod. Excited to talk some b-ball. How you doing after your uh, night off from celebrating the Chuddy Bar victory the other yes, night? Yes, yes. A wild <laughs> night it was celebrating that Chuddy Bar victory. Um, but I'm back today, which means the Chuddy Bar must have lost. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but like you said, what didn't lose was the Boston Celtics. Uh, they win 116-107 at home to extend that home undefeated streak to 12-0. and uh, Fourth time a Celtics team has started 12-0 and at home. The last team that did that, the 07-08 Celtics. So, could be a little bit of magic in the air with this team. Uh, but we're going to get into that, break down all the game. We're going to look ahead to some things uh, coming up with the Magic, take a look around the league. Before we do all that, though, take care of our uh, house cleaning stuff. Again, follow the show on Twitter, at Chuddy's Corner. Follow me on Twitter, at Doug underscore outs. Follow Chud on Twitter, at King Chuddy. And a special shout-out to our sponsor, Nick Perino Real Estate. You can check out all of his information at nickperino.com. You can also... Find um, all things Chuddy's Corner at nickperino.com. Uh, specifically, every Monday, uh, King Chuddy has been posting his uh, power rankings for the NBA. So make sure you're checking those out. Gives a good breakdown of every single team. Um, no homer bias either. Uh, I saw last week we had the Timberwolves as the top spot on the uh, the NBA power rankings. So um, make sure you're checking those out. Again, that's, that's nickperino.com. And lastly, make sure that if you're listening to this podcast, you are subscribed to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on. We're on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Music. We're on YouTube. Uh, what's it like? Stitcher, Podbean. There's like a whole list of them that I didn't even know existed. But we're on everything. We're trying to get ourselves out on everything. So whatever you're listening to us on, make sure that you're subscribed too. So <clears throat> that's it for house house cleaning stuff. Uh, back to the game. Celtics again win 116-107. Tatum 27 points, the high score on the night. Uh, just a pretty good defensive effort on the whole team. We'll get into more of that later, too. But first, I'll pitch it over to you. Uh, Chud, what do you have? What did you see in this game? Let's hear your breakdown. Yeah, so the thing that jumped out to me the most was just that I love these little mini-series, these little two-game, like they call them baseball series, where you play the team twice. Obviously, we played Cleveland on Tuesday, played him again tonight. And I like that so much because you saw something that you really don't often see in the regular season, and that's a ton of adjustments. We came out and looked like it was night and day from the other night. We came out Tuesday night, and uh, Nick and I on the pod talked extensively about how the Celtics were playing that deep drop coverage all night with Porzingis, and Mitchell and Garland were just shredding us on pick and roll, getting deep into the lane for floaters or just basically pulling up for uncontested threes. They both got in a rhythm and just kept themselves in the game with uh, open looks all night long until we finally adjusted tonight. Totally different story. You saw it right off the opening possession. It was like Tatum was matched up on Jared Allen so that he could switch those screens. Um, we were having, even if it was Porzingis, he was jumping out, but we were trying to kind of hide Porzingis and to a lesser extent Horford on some of their non-shooters or smaller guys who we weren't too worried about um, matching up. And we were putting guys like uh, Tatum and then, of course, Lamar Stevens, who got some early minutes on Jared Allen. And yeah. the point of that was, well, the, I mean, the idea behind that was just putting a guy who can cover Jared Allen. I mean, Tatum's 6'10". Jared Allen is a good player, but he's, like, if you want to go change change up their whole offense and run post-ups to Jared Allen on Jason Tatum, like, be my guess. That's getting them out of their game, and basically anything that's taking the ball out of Mitchell and Garland's hands is great. But, uh, again, it was night and day from the other night. The pick-and-roll coverage on those two guys was so much better. Uh, we were absolutely smothering Mitchell. There was two guys on him every time, or we were just straight switching it, depending on who was in the game. But the driving lanes were completely gone, completely gone for Garland, too. He, he had barely any clean looks the whole night. Um... In the first half, like I thought the defense was absolutely great. Really, they only were they scored fifty four points in the first half. I think only twenty, twenty one or twenty four, I think, in the first quarter. Super low amounts, and honestly, so much of that I thought was just Mitchell making some ridiculous shots. Like his yeah. typical shot making, especially in the first half, was just incredible. Other than that, though, I thought the defense was great. Like we were giving up a few more offensive rebounds, which again, that's kind of the price you pay. If you're gonna put a smaller guy on Jared Allen and uh, play better perimeter defense, which we did, then you really got to commit to boxing out because that means you're going to have a bit of a mismatch where a guy like Allen, and then we saw it with a little bit with Tristan Thompson when he came in, got a couple offensive rebounds because we were just hiding smaller guys on him. But for the most part, we were 
either switching guys out onto those screens with Mitchell and Garland. We were hedging more with the big guy. Um, and it was leading them getting into worse offense. Like I said, settling for a lot of really tough shots. A lot of just they had to rely on mismatch hunting when we were switching. They tr kept trying to attack Hauser, tried to attack Pritchard some, tried to attack Al. And again, I mean, the Celtics are just going to live with that. Um, a few times, even with Porzingis, he got beat once or twice by Garland, which is obviously just really tough for him. But he held his own, got a few blocks, a few fouls. Um, enough that, you, you know, you're, you're happy to live with it. And you saw a complete difference. Right? The Cavs last game also had one of their best three-point shooting games of the entire season because they were getting great looks out of that high pick and roll every time. Tonight, uh, first quarter, I think the Cavs were one of ten on threes. So yep. it was like just, again, completely different game right from the outset. Love seeing those kind of adjustments on a game-to-game -game thing where, again, when you just play teams kind of a random schedule throughout the year, you're not really making adjustments on the fly or game planning for teams. But when you get this little series like this, you get a chance to have two days off to look at a matchup and then make immediate changes like this. So love to see that. Again, it kind of simulates a playoff-like atmosphere to an extent. Um, you kind of got that feeling where it's like, oh, we just played these guys, all that familiarity. Bad, not that we have, like, bad blood with this team specifically, but that kind of thing. Uh you know, you get the implementation of Stevens, which, again, they were kind of saying on the broadcast that that was because Cornette was scratched, but I really don't even think that was the case. I think it was just strategic that they thought he was the right matchup defensively for how they thrive on offense, and I thought it was a great move by Joe. Um, and then, I mean, on offense, I thought more, more of the same. Really good ball movement right out the gates. Uh, we're humming it around. Just a little sloppy turning the ball over in the first half, but other than that, you know, really good shooting again, really good ball movement, creating great shots. Uh, Tatum, again, kind of feeling his way into the game as it was Jalen who got off to a great start. Porzingis also got off to a really good start. I think they had 18 and 15, respectively, in the first half. Tatum had 11, but it was kind of a quieter 11. Uh, third quarter came out. I think we had, what was it, a nine-point lead at halftime, I think. Came mm -hmm. out, and uh, I thought we were playing well out of in, at the start of the third quarter. Like, not great, but not bad. It was kind of felt like the game was going back and forth a little bit. Trading baskets, trading stops. Got game slowed down a little bit. It was a lot more of like uh, the Jays in the mid range, but we stretched the lead out to twelve with like five minutes to go in the quarter, and then um, honestly, it was Karis Levert who got kind of extended run because Darius Garland got hurt colliding with Porzingis. Levert came in. And it was like Levert came over and filled that Donovan Mitchell. He had fifteen points in that third quarter, and again, it was the same thing. Like. I didn't think we played poorly. And again, I think a lot of people will probably look at this and be like, oh, another third quarter letdown. I think that's kind of unfair because I think usually the problem is we just come out of the locker room flat and seem like we're not playing our game and just start the second half super slowly. That really wasn't the case. It was really the end of the third quarter where we just kind of dropped the rope. And again, it was just Levert hitting ridiculous shots over and over again. And then uh, Garland came back in, hit a three, got a layup. Suddenly it's a three-point game out of nowhere. So... Again, it seemed like we kind of had another shaky third quarter, but overall, I really, I didn't think it was like the typical sense of that third quarter. Um, yeah, I don't. Think it wasn't it, like the usual problem. It seemed like it quarter. seemed like the offense on both teams were sort of struggling to start that quarter, but they did. Uh, like you said, the second half it was the Cavs running a twenty-one to twelve run from like seven minutes to the end of the third. So that's not yeah. like a huge run. That's not quite kind of what you're looking right. at. But well, and it wasn't just like the coming out flat out of the locker room because again we extended right. the lead up to twelve after yeah. that huge uh, Tatum dunk, and it was like okay we're we're back in the game we're playing well, and then it was just a bad yeah. close to that quarter because we went in six, it was sixty-five fifty-four, so we were up eleven and they well, up 11. and they okay. and they outscored us by eight, so it was we were down right. we we're up three at the end of the quarter. So and I would be willing to, to say point, most yeah. of that was in the last three minutes of the quarter with again just Levert kept making some ridiculous shots and then uh, Garland made had a 5-0 run by himself at the very end of the quarter yeah. um, was so Levert again, the one that Scal kept saying you can't let him go to his right yeah yeah he has no left he said it like 50 times he, well it was they, true but it was kind of frustrating Yeah, but he's like <laughs> such a microwave scorer you know when he's hot he looks like he's one of the best players in the league offensively mm -hmm. and then he'll just completely disappear at other times so he had it going in that third quarter and again really kind of kept them in the game when they didn't have much else going because Garland was out of the game and we were containing Mitchell really a lot better in the second half he didn't get it going nearly as much um, but we were able to you know stay alive still had maintained a three-point lead going into the fourth quarter and then in the fourth quarter came out and you could just see it was like went up a level right away on defense and it was that it was Pritchard uh, Hauser, Tatum, Horford, and Stevens. Another incredible Al Horford game. The stat line doesn't jump out at you, but he was just so awesome. Um, again, yeah. they were trying to target him, and it's like 
at what point are people just going to realize, like, that's not a mismatch, getting a guard one-on-one with Al Horford? Like, we, you know, Steph Curry in the finals <laughs> is one thing, but, like, 99% of guys, that's just a matchup the Celtics are happily going to live with. Again, if you're going to change your offense to ISO... Well, it's think- a matchup that also I think is, is, in a lot of cases, happening by design. Like, I think teams think that they're, like... Almost that's tricking, what I mean. us, tricking us into like no, that's that's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. I'm saying a wider team's going to learn that like that's just not a mismatch for them to target. Like just because he's a big, yeah. like he can switch out on the perimeter, and we're more than happy to have him guarding those guys. So that was a great defensive stretch and an awesome stretch by Tatum. He came right out, hit a ridiculous fadeaway, then hit a three. Um, he then had a huge block on a Garland, one of his three blocks. To, he had 11 rebounds too with those 27 points. So like he played very big tonight, which I always like to see. Um, and then, you know, they, the Cavs, credit to them. They wouldn't go away. They kept hanging around in that fourth. They cut it down, I think, as low as four again after we got back up by ten. But good execution by the Celtics. Things, again, kind of slowed down. It seemed like the pace really slowed. We got away from what we were doing well. But it was actually the Celtics for a change who kind of changed the game with our offensive rebounding. Few, few Huge ones. First, it was Drew Holiday who had a huge offensive rebound, tipped it out to Derek for a three that I think took the lead from six to nine. Then the Cavs got close again. They cut it back to five, and it was Jalen who had a huge offensive rebound off a Tatum miss, and he was able to keep it alive, tipped it, kind of saved it under the basket to Drew for a layup to put us up seven. That was kind of the play of the game, I thought. Um, it was. They didn't, I don't think they got any closer from that point. And then great to see Tatum closing it out super aggressively. He kind of drove all the way attacking and had back-to-back dunks um, yeah. and a block in between. Sort of broke so, it back with that. Yeah, again, just awesome to see us coming through like that in crunch time and, again, to see it really uh, happening on the back of our defense. So all around, uh, I know, you know, again, impressive performance, another home win, and it's hard to beat any team twice, especially a good team, which the Cavs are, um, even at home. So impressive win. I'll definitely take it. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely happy with the win. Um, I think the thing that stands out the most to me was the team had oh, – as a team – we had eight blocks and seven steals in the game. I think that that's just kind of a testament to the way that they were playing defense. Like when I was kind of writing down yep. everyone's everyone's stat sheet, uh, like you said, Tatum, three blocks. Uh, Jalen had two steals. Derek White had three steals. Uh, Porzingis had a steal and two blocks. Al had a big had a block. And even Pritchard got in there with a block. Pritchard had zero <laughs> points in the game. He still managed to finish as a plus one. And I so, thought he made a huge impact. I thought he played yeah, really exactly, well despite yeah. having no points. Yeah, so I just think the, the defense was really just what kind of impressed yeah. me the whole entire defense time with this team. And, and again, uh, you know, you said the Cavs are good. They're definitely good. I don't think that they're really much more than that. I think that they have an excellent backcourt. Yes, you know, I know you and Nick talked about that in the last podcast. I don't want to repeat too much mm. of the stuff about the Cavs in general. I do think you guys mentioned it's probably like the team that needs a wing more than anyone else in the league. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you but see for, that. <laughs> for what they are, um, I think that our our backcourt kind of came out with a little bit more of a commitment to stop to stopping those two. Obviously, yeah. Donovan Mitchell still had a pretty big game, but he's just the kind of player that really, no matter what kind of defense you throw at him, he's going to get shots in. Uh, but but yeah, I think that the defense is really the, the the top tier headline. I think on this one, and especially in the fourth quarter there, where it did look like that third quarter ended again. Like we said, twenty one to twelve run, not a huge run, but it's an unsettling run either way to get the lead to three. Right. Um, so just to kind of come out and just immediately say like nip that in the bud that that's not gonna that's not gonna happen, um, it definitely felt good. Al is a timeless treasure. Uh, ten, <laughs> so you said uh, not a not a ton on the on the statue, but he did have ten rebounds. I mean, I mean not bad, 30, but just thirty seven years old. So he played twenty three minutes tonight. My yeah. question too is, does do you think that we're gonna see him at all tomorrow, or is he gonna be out? Is he not gonna play the back to back? Because he only played twenty three minutes. And I don't know if that was kind of mm. because especially where Luke. The adductor, which why don't they just say <laughs> groin? Any, they don't say a groin anymore. But so, like, I don't really know if he's out and Luke is out. I don't really know what because I, I, because I don't they even know if Chris the Magic do be have in. bigs. Chris Stapps was questionable tonight. Yeah, and so. then he said, "I think he sat earlier back to backs even when he was healthy." So we might be looking at a uh, Kita. Because I guess Keita was with the team. This with the team, he just was inactive in the game. I'm sure at least one of those guys will be out tomorrow, if not both. So yeah, Porzingis played 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't know what they're gonna do. That's gonna be interesting because this is a team. The Magic do have some size too. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's gonna be definitely a little bit tricky for us. But that's something we can, we get into a little bit later when we talk about the Magic. Um, I also think the shooting uh, for the Celtics, uh, 50% from the field, 43 yep. of 85. Uh, only shot 36 three-pointers uh, three this game. 
Uh, made 13 of them, so you know, not not a lights out shooting night, but still all right. But 50 percent from the field is awesome. I think a lot of those mm-hmm. were that that Jalen Brown like turnaround fadeaway. Oof. Oh my god, that He's was incredible. <laughs> that yeah, that he he has been. He's turned it on these last few games. He's been like a bona fide stud. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people who shit on Jalen early in the season that that um, we definitely aren't going to haven't been hearing as much of them uh, as much from them anymore. I think he's completely removed the like can't dribble with his left hand like narrative that began in that with that heat series last year with some of the turnovers he was having. I, I never really oh, bought into it oh, myself when he, had a, when he had a wrist injury. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I never really bought into it myself, obviously, but I just think that like he, yeah. I, I, sometimes I feel like he's going out of his way to go to the with his left and it's working. And it's working mm. well. He can finish. He can dribble with his left. I think that yeah. that narrative is ripped to shreds. Um, but yeah, so I just think. Uh, I had one question, I guess, for you, and you, you did touch on a little bit. You said that they were, Stevens was in maybe because Luke was out. They were saying that. You don't think it was that so much. Do you – I mean, I don't – I think that's well, part of it, but again, on. I think – My question oh, yeah. was, what happened to O'Shea Brissett? Is he – why – Why? like, how did Lamar Stevens jump over him? I don't think that either one of them – you know, it's not like a huge difference maker either way, but – yeah, so I think it's just, again, specific matchup type thing where I think they they like Stevens. They're looking for a guy who's big and big and strong enough and fast enough to guard both, you know, guys like to guard, basically guard Jared Allen well enough that it's not a huge mismatch, um, which I think Stevens can accomplish. And also small and quick enough to the, be able to switch onto Mitchell and guard, which is kind of the whole point. And I think they, Stevens is just better suited to guard on the perimeter than Brissett, which was really the main point of the assignment. Um, just a good fit for him there. And then also, I don't know if this was actually a factor, but Stevens, again, has played the last few seasons on the Cavaliers. So maybe just figured, you know, he's been practicing yeah. against these guys for years. Kind of that light thing where, like, we talked about Neesmith going up against the Jays, where Stevens, I'm sure, has had plenty of experience guarding Mitchell and Garland already, too. Yeah. You know, very good and very crafty ball handlers. So to have that extra familiarity with these guys, I'm sure can't hurt. Um, and I mean, again, I think it'll be an ongoing thing for most of the season. It'll be somewhat matchup dependent, but I think, again, it seems like at this point, our top eight is very much set. And most teams at the end of the day, especially in the playoffs, you're not going to go much more than eight deep. You might go nine deep, sometimes 10. So I think, again, it's going to be an ongoing battle to just see who earns those last two spots. I don't think anyone has done enough to separate and be like, okay, you're clearly the next guy. So, I say, you know, keep all these guys ready between Banton, Brissett, Stevens, Luke to an extent. Obviously, he provides something a lot different than those guys. But I think mixing and matching and seeing if we can kind of fall into a guy or someone can separate themselves from the pack, like, no reason not to. So I think the combination of those things made uh, made for Stevens to be the one to get the opportunity. But, I mean, what did he have, 20 minutes all season, I think, going into tonight? Tonight he played, I think it was only eight minutes, so not like a ton. Yeah, but eight minutes. Again, I thought they were really good minutes other than maybe uh, – dial it back on the three-point attempts, but oh, yeah. pretty much everything other than that was great. He had that yeah. one awesome play. It was more of a uh, Horford playoff. One of Stevens' misses. Horford had an awesome offensive rebound, and then just one of the most beautiful, uh, fundamental bounce passes you'll ever see in your life by Al Horford. He hit <laughs> Stevens right between two defenders on the back up for a dunk uh, off yeah. the offensive rebound. It was probably my favorite play of the He game. had a steal and a block, too, so he got in, he got in that party with yeah, all the different no, blocks I mean, and I steals. Thought, you know, good good button to be pushed there by Joe Missoula. Whatever the ultimate reason for to go with uh, Lamar was, it's proved I thought to be a very good decision. I thought it was a really good Joe game. I, I loved his timeouts every time they cut it close, and not only that, but off the timeouts, some awesome awesome plays off the timeouts. He had one where they did a, a kind of a curl screen for or a pin down for Porzingis, Porzingis and he curled yeah. around the screen, got mismatched with Garland for an easy and one layup. It was a great playoff timeout after they had just cut yeah. the lead down. And then there was another one late in the game where we ran a little two-man action uh, screen for Hauser, and Hauser got a wide-open three, which, again, Hauser just came in, three shots, made all three attempts, uh, three for three from threes, nine points, and was a plus nine on the night. Again, they kept trying to ISO uh, on Hauser when they when they weren't getting the pick-and-roll with the drop like they were last game. They started to match up Hunt. When Hauser was in there, they were going after him, and... Very few, very seldom did I think they were, you know, coming out with the better of that matchup. So again, I think forcing guys to try to target guys like Hauser, Horford. I mean, again, that's the thing where we really don't have any guys who are liabilities on defense. So when they're going to try to match up on target guys, like 
I think we're mostly just going to live with that. You know, we can send a little bit of help, but for the most part, Hauser, I trust to hold his hold his own against these guys, and he keeps proving over and over again that he absolutely can do it. So, uh, great, great Sam minutes again. Great everyone minutes. Uh, I mentioned again how good the defense was all around in the fourth quarter. It's good to see them go up a notch. Held Cleveland to just 20 points in the entire fourth quarter. It's crazy. Uh, you mentioned Mitchell was at 21 points in the first half, 8 of 12. He finished the game only 31 points. And uh, 12 of 24. So the hot shooting cooled off big time. Um, again, it seemed like he got a little tired down the stretch. I think he he didn't attempt a shot that wasn't a three in the fourth quarter. And I think he only made like one or one of five. So, um, you know, just, just again, night and day really from last game where it seemed like at least for the first three quarters, the Cavs and especially those guards were doing almost whatever they wanted. Tonight, I thought we were making them work much harder. Again, really good shot making, so kept him in the game. But overall, really, really happy with the way the Celtics played, especially on defense. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the Cavs aren't a great team, but like I said, they're a playoff team. They're, you know, they were the four seed last year, a team that'll be vying again for home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. So a very good team. And again, in the regular season, to beat any team twice in a row like that, not an easy task. So uh, impressive win to see the Celtics come out and just take care of business we led wire to wire so again i mean the Cavs they got it down to three at the end of the third quarter but they literally never led in the entire game so wire mm -hmm. wire to wire win two in a row i mean not that the last one was wire to wire but a good win the other night and then beat him again two days later wire to wire that's impressive yeah i also uh i want to see i couldn't find this stat myself but i felt like this was like the most dunks i've seen the celtics have in a game in a long time <laughs> it felt like everyone was getting in the dunk party i don't know I'm looking here. I don't. I don't really have that. It doesn't look like this app. The <laughs> app has like dunks, but it did to me seem like there was just more dunks in this game. And again, Tatum it's just, at, at the end of the day, three. it's just two points. But yeah, Tatum had Tatum had a few. Jalen had some. Porzingis had one. Mm -hmm. um, pretty much everyone was getting on the think, dunk party. I think Drew so. had one on like the first play of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah the first play of the game. Yeah, that pass. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I, yeah. Again. A good game. Uh, this is an opportunity, I think, too, to kind of look a be kind of caught a little flat-footed, looking ahead maybe to the Magic coming in, uh, especially after we just played this team. I thought the Cavs, the fact that they really should have should have and could have won that game against us, they kind of missed their shot. Uh, obviously, coming off the night two of the back-to-back, -back, I was a little nervous they'd come out, um, you know, with a much more set mindset on beating us. So it's good that we took care of business. It's good that we faced a little bit of adversity and still rose to that. Um, so, uh, the Celtics again, so 116, so I, I don't know if it finished at nine and a half or nine, the spread, but, Ooh. um, I did see that we're actually like not really that great covering the spread. If that's something, if there's any betters <laughs> listening, we're nine and 12 and one against the spread this year, three for <laughs> seven in our last 10. So we're, we're, we're not hitting the Vegas number so much, but. I have it. I have it. I wrote it down before the game at at nine. So I guess it would have been we down be nine, twelve, and two. Hmm. Um, but just something to keep in mind for. Uh, I know we have some betters that like to listen to it, which <laughs> might that might be our perfect chance to um, to segue into the Chuddy Parlay. Uh, so we we came a rebound short today, everybody. Uh, Drew Holiday had three rebounds. We needed to have four. Uh, Derek White obviously hit his number. We needed ten points out of him. He had. Uh, 14. We needed two steals out of him at least. He had three. Uh, Drew Holiday finished with just three rebounds. So I was talking a little bit off air with you before we started. I'm wondering if against like teams with good guards where he's going to be mostly covering the guards, maybe the rebounds for Drew might not be. Um, I'm tweaking my system a little bit here. <laughs> uh, maybe the rebounds for him might not be the play in that sense because it felt like to me that he just was like never really under the basket and that's not knocking him. That's because the people, the assignments that he was pulling, he, like a lot of times when drew will be covering bigs for different teams. So he's down low getting into the mix a little bit more. I felt like he was just constantly kind of glued to one of those two guards and just sort of away from the hoop. So, yeah, but I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's just overthinking it now. Like I said, rebounds, especially oh, yeah, for definitely. guards are kind of fluky. Cause I mean, by that same logic, Derek White had five rebounds, and Peyton Pritchard off the bench had three rebounds. So it's not like the guards weren't able to get the rebounds. I mean, Drew had three. He came one short. That's just, you know, a couple balls bounced differently, and he has six rebounds. So it is what it is. You know, lick your wounds. Get out there. Um, you know, quick turnaround tomorrow night to put something else together for the fans. So uh, can't beat yourself up. 
It's only no. one, one, one game losing streak. That's not a big deal. <laughs> one for one in the last two. Not bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I did, uh, on a personal note, I did up the units on that bet. I was feeling so confident going into winning the last one. So whatever whatever uh, gains we made with the win uh, the other night were lost. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's too bad that I please, wasn't here. Please gamble responsibly, folks. Yes. <laughs> good example of that. Yeah. Probably a good time to mention that. Um, yeah. I wish I was here the other night to celebrate for that, or with you guys at least. Um, apologize for missing the pod. You know, things just got a little bit crazy once that chutty parlay hit. Next thing I knew, I found myself at various casinos scattered throughout the Northeast, uh, just kind of reinvesting all those funds. So, again, gamble responsibly <laughs> um, if you're getting a gamble. Um, and I'm sorry that the Chuddy Parlay didn't work out this time. But we're going to get right back at it. No time to lick our wounds. We're getting right back at it tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to cook up something real nice for us. I think I found my sweet spot up and around that plus 200 area. Um, Perfect. I think I was sh- shooting a little bit above my weight class before. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so do you have anything else um, from this game specifically? Uh, I know because a lot of this stuff we talked about, that you guys talked about the Cavs a lot. Um Last yeah. last week, so there's not a whole lot. No, the only the only thing else I really wanted to add is just a little more on Tatum, where it, it really feels like you know people have kind of talked about slow starts, but it seems like it's really more of like a maturity thing, where he is kind of happy, like feeling his way into a game and trying to get his teammates going early. I mean, we've especially seen it with Jalen. It seems like Drew gets some baskets early, uh, Porzingis, and it just seems like that's kind of better for the Celtics. Like we know Tatum can kind of take over the game whenever he wants, so it feels like it's a a maturity thing and a leadership thing of him more than like starting poorly the way I see it, that he's mm-hmm. kind of easing his way into the game, learning to pick his spots. And again, if Jalen and Porzingis are going early, you know Tatum's coming on eventually. So I think that just makes the team so much better. Whereas we've mentioned before, when it's just the Tatum show all night, like it's great for him, but it might not be what's best for the team. When we see these balanced box scores where you've got, you know, three, four guys up around 20 points to me, that's the ideal kind of spread. And then again, seeing Tatum take over, he had a couple threes, but especially in that fourth quarter, it seemed like he was just locked in, made a few shots to start. And then down the stretch, it was like he just went into kind of bully ball mode. He drew a few fouls and then again closed things down with those two big dunks, had some big rebounds. So to me, these games are, are just as nice and just as impressive as when he's going out and scoring 50 points and all that. So might not help for his uh, MVP campaign, but it's clear that this team is all in to win the championship, which is, as fans, uh, what you should want to see. So I think anyone... Um, out there complaining about, you know, quiet nights for Tatum or this and that are probably people who um, lost money on player props and parlays and, uh, you know, Tatum don't don't care about that. Yeah. No, I know. I know. I know all about that. <laughs> um, I do agree with what you're saying entirely. I think that Tatum's even kind of said that uh, in his presser after the game, uh, the, the game on Tuesday, and then in the interview with Abby today, uh, after the game, he was sort of saying the same thing that, you know, everyone is, uh, you know, kind of taking a little bit of a hit on their stats. Um, but overall, it's kind of what makes the team better. Like you said, I mean, Tatum, 27 points. Brown, 22 points. Porzingis, 18 points. White and Drew, 14 and 15 points, respect, uh, yeah. respectively. I mean, I mean that's, that's awesome. to me, All that's five just, yeah. starters above 14 and above points. Like, that's yeah. ideal. And we made the comparison before as the, the the last time the Celtics were 12-0 and at home um, was that 07-08 team. And that was a team, too, that a lot of those players there, they were obviously in yeah. a much different stage of their careers. Um, yep. But it's a little bit nice to have even, uh, the, you know, these younger players who, you know, would have, you know, every reason to kind of be sort of pushing for more um, to kind of have that, that, that awareness about them that it doesn't really need to be one of them. I think everybody knows that at any point one of them can take over a game, um, whether yep. it's Porzingis, whether it's Tatum, whether it's Brown. Um, you know, White to a certain extent. We've seen him put up uh, yeah. this season's a pretty high point out, out Porzingis, post, of course. Porzingis, yeah, I thought I mentioned him. Porzingis, no, I mean, too. Um, but all those guys. And again, yeah. they might be they're young in age compared to that 07-08 team. But in terms of like actual winning experience, these guys in their shorter careers have gotten much closer to winning and have much more consistently been in the playoffs where – Again, you know, Brown and Tatum are only 27 and 26, but they've played in five conference finals, whatever. They've made the finals. Like, they're, I think, mature beyond their years and experience where they're, like, ready to sacrifice to win. And, again, it's easy to sacrifice when the team's good at winning. If the team wasn't winning, I'm sure Tatum would be like, what the hell, maybe, you know, I want to be putting up stats and trying to go for MVP and whatnot. When you've got the best record in the league and you're the favorites to win it all, it's like, 
you know, you'll, you'll get the credit. The credit will come even if your stats take a little dip. Um, people will appreciate what you're doing. And, you know, it'll probably feel a lot better if you walk away from the season with a finals MVP than a regular season MVP and uh, an early exit in the playoffs. So, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I think, and I think it's important to, like you said, to take a little second to sort of show a little bit of appreciation for what. Because they're all giving yeah. up a little bit something for for the team, and so far the team right. looks great. The team's rolling. It's, it's easy to say the right things, but it's another to go out there and commit it to it and do it. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So shout out uh, Tatum, the man, and shout <laughs> out to the other guys too. Everyone else who's taking who's taking a little bit of a hit, but yeah. Um, so I think does that about wrap it up for recap on this? Because I know we do have a pretty loaded uh, around the NBA. Uh, we definitely have a couple things we got to get into <laughs> big picture wise. So. Uh, why don't you go ahead and take it away? Let's get into our Around the NBA segment here. It lets indeed. So I'd say there's two <laughs> two NBA stories that are really dominating the news nationally. We could start with either one, but I guess we could start with the one that happened first, and that was the Suns-Warriors game the other night. Draymond Green um, thought he got bumped and fouled by Joseph Nurkic. Maybe he did a little bit. He responded to no. that by doing basically a flying, spinning punch to Haymaker right to the face. Um, knocking Nurkic to the ground was reviewed and pretty quickly got called a flagrant two. And since then, Draymond has been suspended indefinitely, which uh, you don't see a lot, but I'm not sure anyone can argue that it's not warranted at this point you're seeing i mean even his own team is no one's really like defending him sticking up for him even trying to say anything other than just like they hope that he just like figures his gets his life together honestly yeah, at this point, it sounds like someone who just got like has like a drinking problem the way people are talking about him they're like yeah i just hope he gets the help he needs like yeah uh i don't even know what to say i mean we've talked about it, it seems like he's kind of coming to grips with like his basketball mortality and I think the team's mortality where again, they've kind of always had an answer and this year they just like clearly don't. And it seems like he's just like lashing out in a way that's just harmful to his team, borderline destructive. He, I mean, he's at this stuff in the past has worked when it's winning and he's kind of the bully on the block and being an enforcer, but it's just straight up hurting the team. And like the team's already thin and weak and they absolutely need him on the floor to even have a chance to be good. And he's just, taking himself off the court over and over again. They can't rely on him, and when he's in there, he's doing basically insane shit, um, and this was about as insane as uh, almost anything he's done, and now they'll be without him for who knows how long, and I, I mean, I, I really don't even know what to say about it at this point. It's just ridiculous. So, yeah, I have take it away. <laughs> I have plenty to say about it. Uh, I said it earlier in the year um, when Draymond was choking out um, Rudy <laughs> Gobert. Uh, I think he's just an asshole. I think that he's realizing that he sucks now, that he's not really that great of a player. Well, he's not nearly he the player. He doesn't suck at playing. He just does insane. I mean, he's still their second best player. Like, they can't. Okay, he's the no second best player on a, on a team that kind of sucks right now, too. I think they kind of suck, but he's, he's nowhere he near the player. He's the nowhere point. near the player that he was, was before. So he has no. to do more bullshit like this. Um, yeah. I think that. This indefinite suspension by the NBA is fucking <laughs> stupid because it and because they're making it seem like it's like, oh, like Draymond, we're gonna work with you to make sure he's just a fucking asshole. Like I well, don't he know, is, he is suspended without pay. I mean, he can practice with the team. So okay, working for free. Right, but I just think it's just like to me. I don't know. It's just like it's it's like oh, poor Draymond. Like I hope whatever's going on, you can we'll work with you to get better so you can get back on the court. No, motherfucker. <laughs> you should just be fucking out of here for a set like period of time. This is how long you're suspended for, for what you did. What is the, like, when he, once he meets certain criteria, so what, if he goes and talks to a <laughs> fucking counselor for a few days, says like, the right things, is he going to be back in like three, is he going to well, miss like five I, games, I, ten games? I don't know. It's, it's, to this, me, it's, uh, like, it's a cowardly suspension to just say indefinitely. Ja last year. What's that? We saw this with Ja Morant last year, the same thing after his second time with the, the gun thing. It was an indefinite suspension, and he had to, like, meet with Adam Silver and basically convince them that he was, like, ready to rejoin the league. So I don't know if that's the precedent now for when shit's just, like, out of control. So like, when, did, when, did, when did Ja's 25-game suspension come in then? Because he just had... That was after the next thing. That was after the season, I believe. Okay. And, oh, right. And but what, that was, like, wasn't Ja back? Like, wasn't he back, like, right, like pretty soon, though? They indefinitely suspended him? Wasn't I he... want to say he ended up missing, like, eight to ten games for the indefinite okay. suspension. I just... <laughs> 
I don't know. This guy's just—he's just an asshole. I don't think that the, he's like, obviously this, an asshole. He's always this, been an asshole. This whole way that they're that they're playing it as like good. as like we just hoping to get the help he needs. Like, what does that even mean? What about like the people? The what about Sabonis's chesty stomped on? What about Nurchik's face he bashed in? What about Jordan Poole's face he bashed in? What about Rudy Gobert's throaty choked out? Uh, when he played us in the finals, he was like trying to climb over on top of Tatum onto the free throw line. He's just a dirty piece of shit, yeah. and he's just a dirty player. I don't mean like he I, he might smell like shit too, but I don't know. He's just like a dirty player. I think that it's ridiculous. And did you hear what Nurkic said about him? It's the way everyone's talking about him now. Like no one's scared of him. Like Nurkic was basically just like said like the same. He's like, I hope like whatever he's like going through, basically, it's just like he's obviously has like some some issues, and I hope he's like okay. Like, but like what? Like I don't know. Like mess- what issues? Like I, like what? I, I think don't know. Just saying he's like me- mentally unstable. He's like a psychopath. Like he can't. I don't control think that himself. he's that at all. I think he's. I think he's just a fucking prick. I don't think I it's think like it's, an Antonio I, Brown situation <laughs> where the guy's like got like CTA and he's going I nuts. Don't know. I, I think, think that he he's fully got his faculties. He's on TNT doing like fucking. Like announcing and shit like that. Like he's not. Yeah. He's not, he's not like going on His Instagram live and like like doing some crazy shit on there. He just gets on the court and when he realizes that he's not as good as he once was and that players aren't scared of him, he just ups the ante and is bigger a bigger asshole than he was before. I don't think at all that it's like a. He is like losing his mental awareness. I think that he knows exactly what he's doing, and I think that's what pisses me off so much with the way everyone's treating him, treating talking about it, is because. I don't think at all that it's a situation where it's like he just doesn't know what he's doing. He's just struggling so much. No, I think he knows exactly <laughs> what the fuck he's doing, and he's gotten away with it for so goddamn long that now you've created an absolute monster. That team, the league, mm. has completely covered for him for his entire career through all this bullshit because the Warriors were good. Now the Warriors aren't good, and the league doesn't know what to do because they have this fucking savage that's just out there trying to like beat the shit out of players, and it just doesn't team. sell the way that it used to do. The team has always covered for him because, again, he's been a huge part of the team's – like, they're not who they are yes. without him. Like, he's been important, so the team has always covered for him. I don't know if I'd say the league has covered for him. I mean, they suspended him for a finals game. Um, he's But, it's again, it's it's just all this stuff looks so different when you're not winning. Um, it just looks pathetic when, when the team sucks. So that's what's bad. Did you see – I don't know if you saw because it, it just came out tonight, the big Ramona Shelburne piece where she interviewed him and all these quotes – have you heard any of this? No. Is it just nothing love... to make him seem like he's such a poor oh, victim? You're going like, to like this. So he said um, <clears throat> about the Gobert incident, he said, in those moments, you don't know what time it is. He said he watched the incident on his phone immediately after he was ejected and was aghast. When I oh. watched it back, I said, damn, I held him much longer than I realized in that moment. <laughs> I had no clue, he said. You don't have a sense of time during these things. It's spur of the moment. Everything's moving. Everything's going. <laughs> um, yeah, and then they, she interviewed Steph Curry, and Curry said they had a long conversation. That's the conversation we had, Curry told ESPN. I was like, I worry less about what you did, but more the why and how it happened. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. Again, it, this is, might be bullshit, but it's just, I think, hilarious um, t- to me. I'm glad, like, it's not happening to my team or anything. I mean, yeah, those anything, quotes are but... funny. Like, don't get me wrong. They're funny. Yeah. But I, I just <laughs> think that it's, I just think that it's like, like, this is just sort of the way for him to sort of skirt, again, the responsibility for it. And I thought it was bullshit, too, sure. that Steve Kerr, when he gets asked about it, he's like, oh, yeah, no, I, uh, I haven't seen that tape yet on it. That fucking guy never misses an opportunity to lecture every other fucking player in the league after a Warriors game, but he hasn't seen the tape on his fucking star player bashing a guy's head in. He just had no comment. <laughs> I haven't seen the tape on that. He, yeah. fucking, he was scolding Marcus Smart in the middle of a game for Marcus Smart diving for a loose ball. Mm. He saw that loud and clear. He didn't need to re-see the tape to fucking be an asshole there. So yeah. that asshole, too, has just completely created this dream on Green Monster. <laughs> and then now, this is what we're dealing with. He's just he's just a fucking monster now. And, again, because the team isn't good anymore, it looks worse. But this is just who he always has been. I don't think it's like he's declining or anything like that. I think he's just... I mean, look at the way he actually gets kicked out of games. He's screaming in the stands and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I but, guess I'm making a case for him being a nut job right now. Well, but. that's what I'm saying. is I think this is just who he's always been. But it's when you're the best team in the league and you're front-running and you're actually intimidating and imposing your will on people, it looks a lot different than when this, it just looks like desperation, like the team stinks. And you're, like, going out of your way to make a spectacle to try to, like, cling to relevance or to, like... Act, it's like he, they're all the things they've always done that have always worked. Um, they just can't do now. And you're seeing teams like the Timberwolves and the Thunder and 
the Suns come in and punk them, and they just they don't have any cards left to play, and now it's just insane, and it's like, what are you doing? All right, well, this is so, the NBA. It's not fucking UFC, so cut the shit. Like, well, he's cutting it. I mean, he's already been what suspended you, for five games. Your... Now it's indefinite. Like, he's the team's 10-14. and 14. I'm starting to regret that we traded away their, the Warriors' 24 first-round pick. Looks like it's going to be a top-10 pick. Um, so it's what, like, I don't uh, know. And they're, they're what do you think? How many games do you think he's going to be out for? I bet it'll be, like, between 5 and 10 if I had to guess, but who Ridiculous. knows? Ridiculous. Should be at least ten. Should it be any less than ten? Maybe it won't be. I don't know. We'll see. You Bear, said he I got mean, five for choking a guy out. Five was the Gobert suspension. Yeah. Okay. So why would this should I mean this is a second offense and you fucking punch second, it in the face? Thirtieth. Like well, no, I'm saying this year <laughs> second offense in like two weeks. Yes. Right, so right, right. it shouldn't be yeah. it. It should be a long fucking time. I mean, yeah. He'll have, he by the time he comes back, he'll arguably have served more games than Morant. <laughs> <laughs> like, Dude, it's gonna be close. Oh, we're a gun. Who cares? <laughs> Fuck. Just yeah, gunplay. <laughs> Didn't seem like anything too bad. I don't know. Uh, I mean, the whole thing's crazy. And I mean, to take it a step further, that Warriors team, like, again, I think they're trying so. He's. It's like he's trying extra to do stuff to like change the course of the team and fire them up because nothing's working. And again, they're. I think as a team coming to grips with like the fact that the run is kind of over and they don't have that in them anymore. Play is completely washed. Wiggins oh. has been one of the Did worst you... players in the entire league. Um, like they just can't do it anymore. They can't channel it. Their bench is bad, and I don't know if you saw in that same game after Draymond got ejected, Kerr finally made the switch in the second half. He benched um, Wiggins and Looney, started Pajemski and Kaminga. And then he benched Thompson at the end of the game, closed with Moses Moody. So I think he's finally realizing, like, it's over for these guys. Did you and see, again, too, that... They just signed Draymond for four more years at massive money. He has a giant contract in, th- I think, three or four more years. So it's like... That's funny. I, I don't... I can't, If this ends, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, I don't know that Curry's the kind of guy who would do this, but if ever there was a guy who was like, get me out of here, I can't... I'm Because Curry's still playing at an MVP level. He's arguably, like, as good or better than he's ever been, and... That team is just awful. Without him, they'd be like in that Pistons Spurs conversation right now. Uh, no exaggeration. So I don't know. We'll see what kind of package the Celtics can put together for Steph Curry. I think would be the next move here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't he know sucks what they at do. Defense. He couldn't play for us. Curry. Uh, yeah. He doesn't suck at defense, but either way, I mean, I I think I mean, I'd take yeah. Steph Curry. Just, yeah, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't play <laughs> on our so. team, but. But, yeah, no, it's just another interesting subplot to this whole thing that, I mean, that team is already bad. And, you know, say whatever you want about Draymond. He's still probably the second, maybe third most important player on that team. And now they will have to go another extended stretch without him where they're already in, like, 11th place in a very, very, very good Western Conference. Uh, they're playing right now against the Clippers down 33-36, still early. But, I mean, this things will get away from them pretty quickly. And it's going to make some for some interesting questions. Like, I don't know, would they actually entertain the thought of Trading Clay Thompson, maybe they have to trade Chris Paul's salary and some picks. To what, China? Well, no, I'm saying with picks, but just for the money, just to like get off one of those guys. Uh, That'd be a pretty crazy move to trade Clay, a guy who's probably you know gonna have a statue outside the arena. Uh, but if they want to do it, and I think they owe it to Curry to do everything they can to field a competitive team. When again, they've got one of the 10, 15 best players of all time with probably who knows how much longer where he's playing this high of a level to seemingly waste a year with these bad players around him in this absolute sideshow that is Draymond Green is just, uh, it's a shame. I mean, I'm not the biggest Curry fan, but he doesn't he doesn't deserve this, basically. Yeah. No, I agree. All right. Well, we let's move on to the other fucking dickhead <laughs> in the league. <laughs> uh, all right. Happily. So, another fun story, and this one has uh, maybe even more layers to it. So, I think it started with... Uh, the Pacers and the Bucks forming a nice little rivalry with that in-season tournament game. Things got a little chippy. The Pacers won, obviously, that game. They played again last night, and we had just a pretty bizarre incident. It was a decent game. Uh, the Bucks were kind of dominating, but uh, Pacers made it close again. Giannis finished with 64 points on 24 of 32 free throws. Uh, didn't hit a three. That was the Bucks franchise record for points. Now... On the surface, kind of whatever. Okay, cool game, whatever, what have you. There, oh, there was also a play during the game where a uh, very hard foul by Neesmith, actually, who tore Giannis to the ground. And if you didn't see that part of the game, his brother, Tenassis, who is actually one of my most hated players in the entire league, if you can even call him an He was holding this guy, back. It was Yeah, it was like bad 
WWE acting by him on the sidelines. Like, just a completely embarrassing pretending to get held back by uh, Jay Crowder in street clothes moment where, like, what are you doing? Make an absolute ass of yourself already. Um, so the game was a little chippy. And Did then it, uh, Giannis had, a, like, a hard foul, too, on Halliburton, too, didn't he? He, like, threw a yeah, shoulder into him. Yeah, kind of. I didn't think that one was that bad. But, um, yeah, but there was definitely some chippiness. You can tell there's a real robbery. These teams don't really like each other again from that uh, in-season tournament thing where Halliburton, we saw, did the Dame thing. Dame was pissed about that. So there's already some beef. They're playing again each other. Clearly don't like each other. Chippy game through and through. Again, uh, the game was kind of over. The Pacers bench brought it back from, like, 20 to 10. So they put Giannis back in. And that's when he kind of set the record for points and then had, like, a fast break dunk to get to 64. When he, you, you know, you could argue he didn't need to do that, whatever. So I don't know if the Pacers were that pissed about it. It didn't seem like it was that big of a deal. But then after the game, we get a whole sideshow about the game ball, which uh, apparently the Bucks thought that the Pacers coach stole, quote-unquote, the game ball <laughs> because they wanted to give it to Oscar Chibwe, the rookie from Kentucky, who scored his first NBA point, which I think is hilarious. It was one point only, just not even a basket, just a free throw. They said they wanted to give the ball to him. Um, if you watch college basketball, you'll certainly remember his the dominant force he was at Kentucky, but it was his first NBA run, scored a point. So the Pacers said they wanted the game ball to give to him Giannis absolutely lost his shit because of this and, you know, got super heated on the court. He's freaking out, fighting with Halliburton. Him and other – there's video of him literally sprinting down the tunnel, being held back by That's going to be a meme forever. By an assistant coach. And um, apparently him and other Bucks stormed into the Pacers' locker room. There was some kind of skirmish in there. Uh, Rick Carlisle said that a Bucks player, like – a bruised a rib of a Pacers coach. Uh, so it was like a physical altercation of him trying to steal back the oh, game ball God. that set the Bucks franchise record. Uh, huge thing. I mean, absolutely laughable. At the end of the day, that wasn't even the right ball, apparently. The Bucks assistant coach had the game, the actual game ball all along. So at the end of the day, Giannis had his stupid ball. Uh, Healy, I thought, just looked like an absolute baby. First of all, who gives a shit about having the actual game? Just take any ball, write your name on it. Like, who cares? It's 64 points. Cool. Like, you broke a record of Michael Red. You know, a fine player. But you didn't break Will Chamberlain's record and score 100 points. Like, let's relax with the team's franchise scoring yeah. of 64 points on a zillion free throws in a regular season game against a historically bad defense, a team that just beat you in a more meaningful game. All around, I thought, just an awful, pathetic look. Uh, the Pacers were hilariously trolling him on social media. And then the funniest part of the entire thing, to me at least, is that the Pacers today signed James Johnson. I don't know if you remember him. 15-year yeah. NBA vet. Um, just a who is completely washed and is not going to play. Most notable, His most notable recent achievement was in last year's athletic player poll. He was voted by the players the player in the league you would least like to fight. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, the Pacers just adding him to their roster the day after this for no reason. <laughs> No reason is absolutely well, hilarious yeah. to me. So <laughs> like they a, play them again up, on uh, January first and January third. Yeah, I can't wait. It's like straight up hockey goon. <laughs> the end of the bench. Oh, that's at this awesome. Point. Um, I hope he just, so just fucking one punches his brother. Gets funnier and funnier. I'm, I don't know if anything real will come out of this again. It's just a lot of hold me back stuff. Uh, there's you know Giannis going crazy on the court, yelling in Halliburton's face. Halliburton's kind of giving them this look like, what are you even mad about? Like what are we what are we talking about right now? Dame had this bizarre look on his face. Uh, I think the funniest meme I saw the night was the still frame of Dame making this crazy look like what's happening. And the caption was like, Dame already thinking about how he can't wait to text Chris Haynes about this. Like, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Dame is like, no idea what's going on. Just totally bizarre situation. Um, just more hilarity, like only in the NBA. This is all part of why it's, you know, the best entertainment on earth for my money. This stuff is just no, no other league or sport or any type of entertainment can hold a candle to this kind of stuff. It's the yeah. greatest reality show on earth. Um, I guess I'm just going to go on two rants in this episode. Uh, Giannis, that to me was like, this is like the end of like this, like fake humble, like guy thing that Giannis has been doing for a while. He looked like an absolute fucking clown. He was the way he was losing his mind and the way he sprinted into the oh, locker room. Great. That's going to be a meme forever. That's like the new, who was that guy in the Pistons? that was trying to get to LeBron once. They Isaiah had like Stewart. that. Yeah, that was like. That's like, this is yeah. like going to be the new version of that meme. 
Just looks yeah. like an absolute idiot. You're one of the best players in the world. You score 64 points, which I get it. You're yeah. excited you've about won, it. But, but again, you've won, it's... You've it's, won two MVPs. You've won a yeah, finals well, MVP. Let me do my rant here. Let me do All my right. rant here. <laughs> He scores 64 points, uh, shoots an insane amount of free throws. The majority of those free throws coming in the fourth quarter after the Pacers have taken their starters out of the game anyway. Then Mm -hmm. he goes out there, doesn't even get the ball back like a fucking pussy, comes back (laughs) out onto the court and just starts, like, screaming again at players. Like It's just, like, it's a totally bizarro world thing um, for for Giannis to be doing at that stage. And then afterwards, his post-game press conference where he's talking uh, at the stands and stuff, and he's like... He's like, yeah, like I, they gave me a ball, but I don't know if it's their game ball. Like it doesn't feel like it feels like a new ball. Like I was, I was touching that ball all game. It doesn't feel like that ball. It's like, first of all, like I hope that that was the game ball. So it just proves how fucking stupid this whole <laughs> idea of having the game ball is. Because at the end of the day, like what the like, who gives a shit? Like really, you're gonna put every time you break your own scoring record, you're gonna put, you're gonna like replace the old ball and put a new ball in there. Like I, it just makes no fucking sense to me. Um, I love that the Pacers were like tweeting out how inspirational um, that I'm not even going to try to pronounce that player's name. Chibwe. Um, yeah. I, I love how they're just putting out tweets about how like inspirational he's from like the Democratic yeah, from the uh, Congo. Congo and shit like that. And you know, like, oh, came to the United States just to chase a dream. And I didn't realize that he only had one point. I thought that he at least had a basket, so it was a free throw. I did see uh, Worldwide Wob did like an investigation that. In one of the in-season tournament games, though, he did score a free throw there. So I don't know. Oh, interesting. Um, I don't know if that just doesn't because I don't think those points Maybe that count. doesn't count as a regular season game. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's yeah. Because it was I one of those. So first official NBA point or something. Yeah, which makes the whole thing just even more hilarious. Just um, so petty. I thought it was a plus trolling <laughs> by the Pacers on it. Yeah, uh, I did love the look on Dane's face. I think Dane was even like, "Is this fucking guy serious?" Um, yeah, and you know, just just overall like. He had, but it had to be one of those things where, like, you wake up the next morning and you're just like, "Oh fuck, why did I do that?" That's yeah, that's <laughs> tough. Well, it's um, just such loser shit. And again, there's certain teams and certain franchises and players you expect this from. But again, the guy's won two MVPs. He's won a Finals MVP. He should have a little bigger aspirations than coming into stat padded garbage time to score a meaningless amount of points in a meaningless, essentially right. game. Like, just pathetic. A pathetic look. What other superstar on his level would? Could you even imagine like doing something like that? I mean, just imagine. I mean, he got his fair share of being ripped on, I think. But just imagine if this was like any other. I mean, I feel like he still has like. There's still a lot of people who think of him as like this like quiet, like humble Greek boy that came over here and got good at basketball. So I think he got it a little bit easier than. Mm. I mean, imagine like if like like LeBron or someone did something like that. Like how like oh, what like God. the reaction would be or or you know even like Tatum or something like that. Like Tatum, yeah. people got mad at Tatum for going like this when he scored fifty points. Like imagine <laughs> if he tried to murder someone to get the fucking ball back. Right. Um, and then, again, his brother too is an absolute clown. Oh, that's an unreal clip say, too. That's gonna have to be like the a meme loser forever of too. The whole thing. Like yeah. let's not um, lose sight of that. Yeah. No. That just a, just a complete disaster. A complete embarrassment. Um, yeah. I, I can't wait for them to play. They play back to back. Well, there's like a day off in between, but they yeah, they don't play anyone series. in between. There, yeah, yeah, another mini series. Um, January that'll be fun. First and January third. So th- those are gonna be th- those are probably some pretty fun uh, games. Are on the NBA rest, they'll probably just fucking ruin the games right away. Anyway, <laughs> I do yeah. hope that that guy they signed just like beats just like. Comes in just to like punch his brother in the face or something like that. Him that would just be like electric. Just up in a straight fight, like straight hockey goons who they both just send in just to play. Each like other. right like, as soon cares? as the balls yeah. jump, just neither like of those a guys fight. is ever yeah. going to play a meaningful minute of yeah. the actual NBA game, so it's totally so. worth it. Um, I also one other thing on that you mentioned how it's going to be a gif with the guy holding Giannis like shirt as he's running. I saw a great uh, tweet of that on I, I forget who it is, but I'll find it and tweet it uh, for for the show later on. But it was that. The caption was uh, Giannis. It was like after seeing that the Pacers signed James Johnson, and it was just that video playing it backwards. So it looks <laughs> like I was dragging yeah, yeah. him out. Of the <laughs> I saw that running away. Yeah, no, that's Absolutely good. hilarious. So yeah. again, just this the ultimate this league moment, like all around. Just I had no idea that he was that he was voted the least player you'd want to fight the least. Yeah. I can remember oh, yeah. when Tony Allen held that crown for a few years in a row. Yeah, wicked. Just the Shout ultimate to troll move to, to just sign him one day after that. For guy was not That's even awesome. been probably sniffing a roster spot. Like as far as I knew, he was just retired and content with that. So yeah, absolutely hilarious move by them. Uh, I love the this going. I mean, again. Shout out to the in-season tournament. Clearly has actually built some, like, <laughs> real rivalries and uh, resentment with these teams. So, yeah. 
Still, um, still getting the trickle down effect from that. Great stuff. All right. Uh, I guess just real quick, if you have some other things to kind of bang through, we went a little bit over on yeah. the on the dipshit no, talk. Nothing else that long, but uh, I think both of those segments warranted uh, oh. their own discussion. Because I was looking forward to, to. Yeah, everyone's talking about those stories. They're pretty pretty funny stuff all around. But uh, another one. We've been harping on how shitty the refs are uh, and how quick they've been to eject stars. I think this one might have been the worst all season. I don't know if you saw this, but Jokic was ejected the other night in the second quarter of a game in Chicago. He had no technical. This wasn't a technical. He got one technical and it warranted an ejection, which I didn't even think that that was a rule that the refs could throw a guy out for one, one tech that they deemed it was so bad and offensive. All he said was he didn't like the call and he just turned to the ref and said, call that motherfucker. That's all he said. It's like... I feel like yeah, that, that I always butter. assume that happened every everywhere every time. Exactly. How many guys say that? Again, you don't think LeBron says worse than that on every possession. So to give upgrade it, not you want to call it technical, fine, whatever, make your point. To just technical and immediate toss him, no warning, no second technical, yeah, nothing. I just saw for that, that Chicago. Chicago's like one of the highest populations of Serbians. So that too. was the thing I was just gonna say. And I don't know if you knew this, but at the Bulls game that night, it was actually Serbian Heritage Night in the arena in oh. Chicago. <laughs> And they tossed him. So the crowd was going crazy. I was listening to the Bulls broadcast. They were absolutely flipping out. Um, Stacey King, the Bulls announcer, obviously longtime Bull, who was around for, you know, the Jordan era. He's probably like, I've had, you know, I'm sure he's had Jordan hearing him say worse than that. Probably like two Stacey Kings during the game. He used to famously call him Burger King uh, to make fun of him. So, like, I don't know. This is just so soft, so pathetic. And, like, we keep saying over and over again that there's a referee problem, but this is like I think even a step worse than anything I've seen. Throw out the clear best player in the league on a night where you're specifically marketing him to like a local <laughs> population, just like all time, just awful look all around, and for no reason. And you've even got the Bulls fans and announcers saying how egregious this is. It's just like we've lost the plot so bad. I think there needs did, to be like an intervention with the refs. Did you just see, like, yeah, it just needs they just tell need them to, to just fire them down. All. Like, you suck. don't have this much power. You don't need to do this. Like, um, did you see Jokic's interview afterwards where he's just like, he's almost dressed up, almost looking like a Bond villain. He's like putting on like his like Rolex. He's like, oh, well, good thing this game wasn't in Serbia. Who knows what might have happened. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, Jesus Christ, dude. Just, yeah. Like, that was hilarious. Um, uh, yeah. No, All right. <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. But uh, again, just sadly, something we're almost becoming used to. So, yep. we'll see if there's some kind of market correction at some point. I certainly hope so. But for Celtics fans out there, we've seen the you know Tatum and Brown ejections. Just know it's it's not just us. It's happening all over the league, and it's it's a problem. So, hate to see that. Um, on a somewhat better note, I guess we finally saw the Suns big three play together last night for the first time. Uh, they were able to get a win, so we'll see how many more games they can play together. Uh, kind of pathetic, but hey, take the, take the better, better late than never, so good for them there. Another kind of positive story about playing, uh, I know I know people have scoffed at, and including us, have kind of made fun of this Clippers team a lot, and rightfully so, and I was definitely a little more than skeptical when they came in saying this year was going to be different, they are going to take the regular season seriously, this, that, and whatever, but Little hat tip to them since the awful start where we were kind of leaving them for dead. They've now won, I think, uh, eight out of 11 games. They've improved the record to 13 and, and 10. They're actually now winning 58 45 against the Warriors. And maybe more important than all of the stuff moving in the right direction, they are playing. Kawhi Leonard has not missed a game all year. Tonight is his 24th straight game that he's played in. The last time he played in 24 straight games, do you want to guess when it was? Uh, like his rookie year. No, but um, it was the 24 Toronto. playoff games in Toronto. Yeah, they, they played exactly 24 playoff games, and that was the last time he played. The last regular season time, I think, was 2016 with San Antonio. So, I mean, say what you will, but hey, props to him. They're at least, like, realizing that they've been screwing around too much. And if nothing else, they are going out there. They're not load managing. They are playing, and they are figuring some things out. They've been a lot better lately, um, looking like some things are coming together. So, hey, good, good for them. For them. If I'm gonna, we're gonna rip them when they do all the shit that pisses us off. We gotta give them some props for seemingly actually taking it seriously and trying to like have a normal team uh, as much as you can with that roster they have. But hey, good for them. Uh, I've always liked Kawhi. I, I would like to see him out there and healthy and playing because when he's obviously at the peak of his powers, he's one of the best players in the world. So cool to watch. Um, all right, to turn things to a more negative note, we have the Pistons and the Spurs, both with just historical losing streaks at the moment um and i mean two like proud historical franchises in the league too so 
just kind of bad to see, bad for the sport. I mean, the Pistons are now 2-22. and 22. They've lost 21 straight games. Yeah. Just abysmal. Um, and I was doing some look ahead and a little bit of math on it. The NBA record for losses consecutively is 28. They will have a chance to tie that record, assuming they keep losing, in TD Garden on December 28th. That will oh. be to tie the record at uh, 28 straight losses. So Good for them. They could snap the streak between now and then. I don't know. And then the Spurs are out there, you know, thanking God every day that the Pistons do this because they also have an 18-game losing streak. They're 3-20. and 20. I feel like for the Spurs, it's at least a little more promising because obviously they have Wembenyama, who's looked great. They're in no rush to be good. They'd probably be happy to have one more shitty year, get another top pick, and then start to turn things around. Where the Pistons, I mean, they're in year three of Cade. They just hired Monty Williams. He's the richest coach in the league. They... This is an abject disaster for them. So uh, two really bad teams out there, but uh, going to put out the, there. The intern can correct me if I'm wrong, but I did see a tweet. This is the first time the NBA has had two 18-plus losing streaks happening at the same time. I don't doubt it. Um, and you'd think eventually, I guess they have to play each other, but uh, it would be. I kind of oh, hope they both awesome. still have their streaks going at 20 yeah. plus or whatever. We'll have to look at their next matchup, but that would be an epic, uh, epic regular season game. Yeah. And also, I mean, keep people keep thinking like, oh, these teams are going to catch someone. I kind of think at this point, like their streaks are so kind of like out there that it's almost like the opposite. Like you're not going to have a letdown game against the Pistons. I think teams are actually almost going to like get up to play the Pistons because it's like, okay, we can't be the team to let yeah. them play. I saw well, it too. I mean, I mean think it's even the, worse. The Wizards are the like biggest winner here because they they don't have yeah. a streak. But I did see it that they well, like they, they lost only fourteen the last fifteen, and the only win they have is against the Pistons. The Pistons. So, yeah. yeah, no, they had lost. I think nine straight going in, and then yeah, they're up to I think almost nine straight again after yeah. that. So yeah, they're even happier that those two teams exist. But uh, yeah, just some poor basketball, which is is funny because other than those three teams, almost the entire rest of the league is really good and fun. Uh, but hey, it is what it is. Um, on another little Celtics note. After we cut Nathan Knight the other night, we signed Drew Peterson to a two-way deal. Um, not going to pretend to know a ton about Drew Peterson. <laughs> I was just saying, we don't have to spend a lot of time on that. <laughs> he did. Uh, he started his career at Rice, transferred to USC. He was first team all Pac-12, two years in a row at USC. Didn't put up huge stats, but I think he scored about 14 points, had like six or seven rebounds. He's 6'9". A uh, bit of a sharpshooter, so he's kind of big. I think uh, he was on the Heat G League team, so I think, you know, trying to trying to pull a reverse Max Struess maybe and uh, strike gold. But, hey, I mean, if we can find a 6'9 sniper on a two-way deal who can be our next Sam Hauser, like, whatever. All right, we'll have to have <laughs> Bill Walton on to give us a little more info on him. <laughs> Bill Walton? Yeah. Why? Bill Isn't Walton? he the Pac-12? Doesn't he do all the Pac-12 oh, games? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a UCLA guy, not USC. But, yeah, I'm sure he can. But he does uh, all the Pac-12 games, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see if he, we can get him on the show. I, I mean, I would definitely take that. That would yeah. be great. But I'll uh, we'll do an see. in-person interview. Yes, that would be wonderful. We'll see if uh, open invite to Bill if he's listening. He probably is. He, he seems like he'd be a chuddy head. So mm. if we can get him on the show, that'd be great. Uh, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see if Drew Peterson ever gets on the floor or if he's ever talked about again on this show. But uh, he is on the team now, either way. <laughs> uh, then a couple, just a couple small notes on tonight's games. There are a few other games going on. We had that Bulls Heat game about a few weeks ago where. The Heat jumped out to a 22-1 to lead in Chicago. The Bulls roared back to win. Same two teams tonight matching up in Miami, and it was the Bulls racing out to a 33-8 to lead in the first quarter. Absolutely pounced on them. Heat came all the way back, cut it to, I think, within five, but the Bulls ended up winning. So uh, the Bulls getting the best of them again. And the Bulls now 5-1 and since Zach Levine got injured, um, and the, they just look like a team that has been lifted from some, like, evil. They look like Theoden in Lord of the Rings after he, like, wakes up from the spell uh they're moving the ball they're playing with fun guys who were written off as dead are now playing well so interesting to see how well that Bulls team is playing without Levine um as I mentioned before I don't think it's doing any wonders for his trade value and then my last note on the night was that uh the Thunder are playing at the Kings 74-74 right now in the third quarter good game uh between two really fun teams in the west but I thought it was interesting this is at least the first time I have seen this the Kings fans were loudly booing Josh Giddy every time he touched the ball Good. in that game. So uh, we'll see if that becomes a thing uh, that happens around other arenas in the NBA. But uh, just interesting to see is I don't know how long the NBA can kind of do nothing with this situation and the team can just have him out there uh, playing with weird shit happening. Uh, if it becomes a distraction, especially for a team that's playing so well as their second best record in the West, one of the, I think, top five net rating. I think they were top five on offense and defensive rating at one point, maybe not 
anymore, but still. Very good team. Uh, that's the last, and they have so many young, good players. Like, the last thing they need is that kind of distraction. So, interesting to see how they handle that. But, uh, yeah, props to the Kings crowd, certainly. for uh, Yeah, shout out Sacramento. Touch. Light the beam. Light that beam. Good stuff. And uh, that's all I got. All right. Jam-packed episode. Yeah. Um, that's it. So, yeah, we'll see everyone back here for the Magic game on tomorrow night. Tomorrow. Friday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be a fun one. Um, we'll see what the lineup's going to look like. Obviously, uh, Porzingis, Horford. We'll see which one of them yeah. isn't playing. Maybe both. If, if not both. I wouldn't be surprised at all with both. I think, uh, yeah, just real quick. Super excited for this matchup. I kind of hate that it is on a back-to-back because, again, you know, we've talked about the Magic have been a little bit of a bugaboo, how they take it personally to play the Celtics. I think at this point there's been kind of enough back and forth that I would certainly hope the Celtics should take this personally now too. So I'm hoping now's the time for the Celtics to fight back. Um, You know, again, we've got that 12-0 undefeated home. Let's defend home court. Let's go out and, uh, you know, not not roll these guys, but I would like to send a little statement that, you, you know, Take it as personal as you want, but, uh, you know, we're still the Celtics. They're still the Magic, so would be nice to go out tomorrow and make a little statement. Could be tough, again, if we're shorthanded in the front court. We might be a little lulled be into a false sense of security. <laughs> Hopefully. And then, again, if you were not to look ahead even further, but this is another of those little mini-series. It's a, it's a two-game. We play them tomorrow, and then we play them again at home Sunday afternoon. So uh, that obviously won't be a back-to-back, so I think would be at full strength. So... Would be great to uh, you know sweep this little mini series and have two more wins, but I think this will be the biggest test of the season with a team that's kind of owned us the last couple of years. Obviously, takes playing us very personally, and then a back to back, which is tough, and then a Sunday early game, which we always struggle with too. Mm-hmm. So, if the Celtics can find a way to win both of these games against Orlando, then it'll be like, all right, we we really cook them with something. But uh, if you're ever gonna kind of fade the Celtics, I think that they might might slip up at home. Uh, these next two games would probably the ones to target. All right, well, let's hope you're wrong about that. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying they're going to lose. I'm just saying if they were to lose. All right. I, I mean, I'll be I'll be curious to see what the spread is tomorrow night. All right. Well, we'll see you guys all <laughs> back here tomorrow, probably in about 24 hours. So uh, tune in to another episode tomorrow. Celtics win, though, tonight. They beat the Cavs 116-107. to 107. They move on to 18-5 and on the season, 12-0 at home. And again, we will see you all tomorrow. So good night, Chudlings. Have a good rest of your night. Peace out, Chuddy Heads.